Cool. So tennis court applications. Jordan, when a customer comes to you or a sales partner comes to you and says, we want to light up a te- tennis court, what's the first thing that comes to mind? How do, you, how do you start that opportunity or start that project? Yeah, I mean, typically I'm asking, you know, what kind of application, what kind of tennis court it is, you know, where is it located? Because that's going to dictate, I think, most things there forward and how I give that information to Jake then because he needs to know, you know, is it in a, you know, or in a neighborhood? Is it in its own complex? Uh, you know, is it at a school? What kind of school is it? So typically the first thing I'll say is like, you know, do you have an address that yep. I can kind of look at? So indoor versus outdoor. Yep. And then also on the, um, you know, like on the outdoor side, how, how do we approach, uh, like a new installation versus a retrofit. And I guess what, what percentage of jobs that come to us would you guys say are, are new installation versus a retrofit installation? Uh, that's, that's a good question. Uh, I think it's probably 50, 50 okay. at this point, yep. maybe a little bit more towards retrofits at the, at this very second, at least that's just off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, as far as retrofits, what we would look for, are just what the court currently looks like. So obviously if you're retrofitting a job, the court's already there typically, sometimes they're redoing the surface, but most of the time everything's in place, all the infrastructure. So we kind of have to work within the parameters as to what's out there now. And so we need to know like pole height, if they're using the same poles, what the poles typically, or what the poles currently look like, what the current fixtures look like, if yeah. they're floodlights versus side mounted fixtures, we'll typically try to stay whatever style they currently have. So if they have floods out there, we'll typically try to stay with a floodlight or go to a side mounted if they need extra cutoff. Um, if they have cutoff, we're obviously not going to give them a floodlight where they're going to be blasting their neighbors and people might complain. So those are just kind of like the first things that we typically look at, look at. Okay. And I think one thing I learned from a job fairly recently is, hey, what's the actual, you know, it was a, it was a retrofit job as well. And it's like, how does that fixture actually mount to the pole? Yep. And that's kind of one that, you know, we had a universal tenon adapter and it wasn't so universal at the time. And yep. obviously we had to make uh, some modifications, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing about about tennis is tennis applications. I don't think were as dominated by one manufacturer over no. the last few decades. Mm-hmm. So you have a variety of pole and bracket uh, installations, and um, you know, kind of the mechanical ability to adjust to you know the needs of a specific application is, is pretty important, especially for retrofits. Because a lot of you know, a lot of the pole infrastructure is in it's in decent shape. Yeah. Um, you know, you're usually the loads from an EPA standpoint and weight standpoint are typically going down with yeah. a, with an LED application. So a lot of um, you know a lot of owners and end users want to reuse uh, those materials. But um, you know, adapting our fixture to the existing pole and bracket, it comes in a in a variety of shapes and sizes. So I guess from a, a mounting standpoint, you know, we see you know. Uh, mast arms or, or spoke brackets um, what other types of mounting applications do you guys do you guys see uh it kind of i mean tennis courts cover everything it yeah. can be anything from a bullhorn they can be directly side mounted on just like a standard six inch arm like you mentioned we see a lot of spokes and uh, kind of like up sweep up sweep style arms yeah. um, so those are co- probably the most common acrs come into play once in a while i don't know jordan if you've seen any other crazy arms, but depends on the pole height. I would yeah, imagine. it depends. Yeah. There's just, I mean, tennis courts are one of those applications where there's so much variety out in the world. Yeah, um, where you literally could see anything. It's kind of like a parking lot. Like True. you could see literally <laughs> anything in a parking lot. Yeah. So, yeah, and, yeah. Like when you say like yeah, upsweet, typically referred to as davit within yep. the tennis, obviously, and it brings in more considerations just for how to, you know, how is that actually going to, you know, our new fixture going to meet to that yep. you know, existing. Gotcha. 
So on the on the indoor side of things, um, do we see more direct or indirect uh, applications? It's also a good question. <laughs> I would probably must say be, must be fifty fifty. Yeah, it's right? close. Yeah. It's probably leans more towards indirect okay. for for indoor tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, tennis is tennis is an interesting one. It depends a lot on the facility and what else they're using it for. Typically, yeah. Um, but if it's a primarily a tennis facility, it's probably going to be indirect. And if it's a new facility, if it's a retrofit, there's a chance that it could be direct. Um, but it all depends on mounting heights and things like that. There's a lot of there's a lot of variables, but I would say for the most part, it's indirect. Okay. Yeah, I, I think the only time we're seeing a lot more direct is down in uh, like the southern states, as they have like half covered uh, facilities. Yeah. And in those those instances, you know, we are doing some indirect ones. We actually have a job going right now that is indirect. But then also we're seeing you know when they're multi-use basketball, volleyball, yeah. things like that. So in that case, you're actually missing some of the walls. Right. So indirect is indirect less, less, less effective. Yeah, it's a case. little less ideal because you lose you lose some you lose a lot of light coming out of the walls yep. where the walls should be. So, so mixed use, you mentioned basketball, you know, pickleball. The last few years yeah. is just exploding. Um, I think we've done some um, some indoor pickleball jobs, mm-hmm. and we also see a lot of existing tennis courts that are being retrofitted to, right. to pickleball. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what does that look like from a, a lighting design standpoint? Or if you know somebody's taking an old tennis court and they want to add pickleball to it, what are some of the application considerations? Yeah, it doesn't change a ton. Um, we'll typically stick to, and per the IES standards, the lighting standards we follow for all sports stuff, um, they do list pickleball uh, kind of like a subcategory under tennis. So um, the foot candles that you're supposed to go for um, are the same for tennis and pickleball. Uh, it's basically just a little bit of a smaller court. Um, so there are specific, if it is a facility specific to pickleball, we'll do somewhat smaller of a calc zone just because the court's smaller. Um, but it honestly, the design part doesn't change too, too much from from an actual tennis facility. Um, it just, it just, again, kind of, it kind of varies a little bit in like backyard pickleball circumstances. Like there's a lot of times where you're only using one or two poles for something like that. Um, and then when it gets to more recreational, you're using like two to four, sometimes more depending on the number of courts in a certain arrangement. But as far as like the differences between the two, there's not like a huge difference. Um, I guess, like I said, the biggest difference would just be, um, the calc point placements is a little different from, from a design standpoint. Um, so that's, that's really the only thing that I've really noticed, um, at least on the engineering side, the design okay. side. Yeah. Same for me. Yeah. yeah. So, so Jordan, if we look at the Wisconsin lighting lab products and capabilities, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes we're using the SLX, the GTX, the KBX and the HSX for, mm-hmm. for tennis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those, those products get used for other applications as well. But if we go through each one, you know, when would you use or when would you recommend or work with apps to use the, the SLX? What would that type of application look like? Yeah, I, I think like mainly I, I really enjoy the fact that we have product like tier one and tier two products yep. level. So if someone you know, wants to just get into it, doesn't you know, have a, you know, Olympic level facility, we have fixtures for that. Then if we have, you know, the higher yeah, end, we do point. have those. Um, so with the SLX, it's going to be yeah, the more budget-minded, more um, lower mount heights, I'll, I'll say that, because yep. it is a static fixture, as you know, Jake and I would say. So it's you know, mounted at zero degrees. It's a full cutoff fixture, not uh, you know, different than a directional fixture. Yep. So anything you know, 25 feet, generally, uh, or lower, we're going to use something like that. And it's you know, just a very budget-conscious model. And we seem to use that one a lot, too, for um, pickleball Courts yep. or small, smaller applications, yep. or even you know crazy uh, uh, end-user houses and things like that, yep. where they have in the backyard. And um, but yeah, I, I would completely agree. Um, it's a nice, 
know, contractors are used to working with products like that. It's got standard mounts, standard pole mounts, slip fitter mounts, trunnion mounts. You know, it looks like an area light. Yeah. Um, we've got, what, eight or nine different optical packages in that one. So, yeah, that's mm. a great way to get in the, in the game. Um, GTX. So uh, you've used GTX on a few few applications. Where would you use that one? Yeah, same th same sort of thing. It's just me generally taller mount heights, um, you know, higher outputs, things like that. So you know, typically if we're looking for you know twenty or thirty foot candles, you know, thirty is generally the lowest that the IES will recommend. But I think the biggest thing is light quality is much more important than actual light levels. Yep. You know, so if we can light this recreational backyard court phenomenally at twenty foot candles, we're going to do that every day. You know, when you step up to 30 and 50 foot candles, we're going to use the GT because that, you know, output and the optical abilities that we have from that fixture. Is, is glare as much of an issue with tennis if the poles are placed properly or is there, is it still an issue regardless of pole placement? Uh, it, it, it is kind of an issue yeah. all the time with tennis sure. just because generally the poles aren't uh, super tall. It depends on the facility a little bit, but um, you'd never want to put poles directly behind where people are serving and hitting from. Um, so that's why you oftentimes see them on the sides. Um, there are exceptions. You can always go higher poles behind, behind the hitters, uh, the serving area to kind of offset that, but it's, it's not necessarily ideal. Um, so it, it really depends. Honestly, like we haven't had any real big complaints about glare, um, especially if it's a like, static side mounted fixture, yep. it's full cut off. Um, you're not going to see too many issues. The issues you, when you do run into issues, it's typically if you're running um, 16 to 20 foot pole and your fixture is tipped up at 45 degree angle and you have like a type five optic on there and you're kind of just trying to flood the area like you would maybe just like a general flood on like a parking lot or something like that. That's where you would run into any type of glare issues. Um, we do see that somewhat often um, for like backyard sports pro projects. Uh, and the customers are all always aware that there is there is that trade off. Yep. Um, there's a there's a trade off of using a five op, type five optic and tilting it versus using something static mounted and a little bit taller of a pole. Uh, there's just a glare trade off. It just is what it is, and uh, they're always aware of that. We our sales team's good about making them aware of that. So, um, I I mean glares if, if it's side mounted glare is never really an issue. Yep. Cool. Yeah, and then we have uh, you know two more uh, product families that are pretty common for tennis. One is the HSX, and one is the KBX. Um, the HSX, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but that that's used a lot when it's replacing other fixtures that look like the HSX, so yeah. other sports lighters. You know, that fixture has the aesthetic of your classic. Um, you know, classic sports lighter. People really like the aesthetic of that one. Um, you know, mounting options are very, very common. You know, same mounting yeah. options. Um, you know, where else would you would we use the HSX? Um, we have used them on some. I've seen them used in like some indirect lighting applications. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily something that we would do with our HSX, but it is a potential. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times when you're working with HSX, it's going to be stuff, it's going to be larger facilities, two to four courts, probably maybe even more than that, where you're working with 40 to 60 foot poles. Um, the poles are up and out of the way of people's, people's vision. The and light, light source is going to be, gonna be yeah, angled it's, like a flood, right. a flood application. Yeah. It's more yeah. like a typical sports application yeah. at that point. True. Right. So you're working, I mean, it could, if it's like, you could compare it to like a, a football field, like obviously it's not going to be as big as a football field, but it's a smaller version of that. Um, that's where you're running into where the, the HSX and then even the KBX would be used, um, which would be the next the next yep. tier up, basically. And then, uh, Jordan, with the KBX, um, I know we uh, – so Jared did a job in Pennsylvania mm -hmm. um, over the summer. looked really, really nice. I think it was a, a retrofit 
Actually, I know. I think new, new poles, they were new KB sixes yep. um, to light it to fifty foot candles. Yeah, but yeah, we've got a really nice uh, brochure uh, for that um, that particular job. I think it was fifty seven hundred Kelvin, eighty CRI. Just the court, you know, really, really looked nice. Um, but you know, with the KBX, you know, we do get requests for uh, remote power mm-hmm. um, for tennis applications. Kind of, what does the decision tree look like when it comes? You know, uh, tennis application comes in. It's a you know a higher class. Mm-hmm. They're considering maybe controls, considering you know possibly re- remote power. You know what goes through your head when you're uh, helping the customer out? Yeah, absolutely. Like you know, to determine once we get the higher mount heights, obviously the IS has great recommendations for those things. But then we're also just looking at, you know, if you keep them low down, you know, they're more in the p- player's line of sight. Yeah. So if we get them up tall, we use directional lighting. We really come down on it, and that floods the entire area with light. And, you know, creating that vertical foot candle as well, which you know, broadcast and, um, you know, those type of applications viewers love to see. So same thing with the CRI is, you know, it, it helps with those as we go up in the um, levels. So the decision tree is, you know, very much, it's, hey, I want, I want to ask you, what are your needs, you know, from a product standpoint? Because, yep. you know, more than anything, I don't want to start with price because, you know, if, you know, if I, if you, described your your ideal car and ends up being a ferrari well it's like well maybe you need a ferrari <laughs> but you know it, you want to understand their application because we do have options and solutions it, where you exa- know other exactly. manufacturers might have one you mm-hmm. know one size fits all mm-hmm. you know we you know price is one of the considerations not the only one it, exactly and so like when we're looking at like uh you know if we had like 50 foot poles and they wanted a you know sixty thousand lumen fixture well we have the hsx or we have the kvx yep. so now i'm going to ask that question and say hey you know, do you want, you know, more control, more controls on your product? And do you want to, you know, have, be able to easily service them at you know, yeah. a lower distance? Because a lot of these schools and municipalities don't have a readily available lift. Yeah. And so that's, again, asking that question and saying, hey, you know, may, maybe cost more from a material standpoint up front, but look at the labor savings down yeah. the line. No, that makes a lot of sense. So we, we've uh, said, we kind of touched on it earlier, but you know, you know, the, the idea that the, the devil's in the fabrication details when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to, to tennis courts and retrofits, we went through some of our um, product capabilities, but now on the kind of, Jake, your team, um, you guys do um, your application engineering. So you, you take all the incoming tennis requests and you put them into various categories and you see you know, what, what type of capabilities we might need for a particular job. On the fabrication side of things, um, do you see light poles, you know, coming up a lot as a pain point? Is it is it typically just the the brackets and the retrofits? But um, you know, we talked about lighting and, and, and brackets. But where do, where do the light pole fabrication side of things come in? Yeah, the only problem that we ever run into with um, light poles is typically pole placement. Um, yeah. There's a lot of issues with pole placement, specifically with tennis, because. Oftentimes we're working with shorter poles, and when you have shorter poles, you typically want them as close to the playing surface as possible, but you don't want them directly on the court because that's actually obviously a big hazard for people. Um, so when you have like a, a court where there's two courts side by side, uh, it gets a little tricky because uh, in a perfect design world, we would have a pole in between those two courts, right in the middle. And there's probably nothing preventing someone from running into that pole or even if a contractor would have to dig up that surface to put the pole in there to do trenching, things like that. That creates a lot of issues on itself on its own. Um, so but 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 from a design standpoint, that's like a perfect scenario where we would potentially put a pole is like in between the two courts. And if we have to replace an existing pole, you know, we have 
custom base fabrication and we can match existing anchorage right. in the same way we can match you know existing bolt patterns on the bracket side have, have we have you seen applications where we raise the pole height or i guess we won't be able to raise it but we could potentially lower yeah and, it's and add poles yeah um i've seen some circumstances where like the anchor bolts themselves were poured directly into the surface of the of the, ah, of the tennis court okay. so there was no like footing yeah. Um, because again, like they're trying to keep everything as minimal as possible in on the playing surface. Yep. Um, so they'll put a pole up and maybe wrap it with some type of like padding or something like that. So I have seen that. So the bolts were literally poured into the concrete of the playing surface, um, and we had to match that. So something like that could definitely come up. And okay. obviously, with our custom custom base base plates, we have any we can match pretty much anything that would be out there in the world um so cool. it wouldn't be too much of an issue but yeah pole placement is probably the only real big thing that comes up um on the pole side of things uh at least from an application standpoint so fabrication wise we've got uh, you know the light pole considerations the bracket considerations on the lighting and design side we have you know flexible options for the customer um we can do controls um you know zones things like that we can do remote power um Another thing that always comes up when you are retrofitting old infrastructure is power quality. Uh, you know, we a lot or of or lack thereof, <laughs> or lack thereof. Um, you know, it's a lot of these tennis courts could be decades old. They were designed for HID infrastructure. You know, LED lighting, solid state lighting. It's you know basically a computer. You know, at the top of the pole, um, with pole heights typically being a little bit lower. You know, there's not as many risks with. Um, you know, power issues, but do, do we see it come up? Do we see customers and contractors and our sales partners mindful of some of these issues or do we continue to, you know, educate them as, as time goes on? Yeah, it's slowly getting better, but okay. it's, it's a very slow process of, yeah. of improving. Um, I think, I think contractors and users, anyone in the food chain, um, they're starting to realize yeah. what they need to do to make sure they properly protect their investment um, but it is always going to be a struggle, uh, especially with retrofit jobs where they have a tennis court that's been out there for 30, yep. 40 years. Uh, I mean, a lot of tennis courts that are used, a lot of tennis court projects that we do are in areas like Florida, yeah. where they have the most lightning strikes in the United States. Yeah. And not, not that they all necessarily need to be local to that tennis court. It doesn't have to be a direct hit. It doesn't even have to be a hit within... A mile. Yeah, it could the, be a hit the grid 10 miles affected. away. Yeah, um, exactly. So, yeah, it's just one of those. It's it's a difficult thing um, because the existing lights would have always been able to absorb that those hits um, because they just don't operate in the same manner. Yep. Um, so it is it is getting a little bit better, I would say. Or with the existing lights, there was a expectation of maintenance ba- yeah, baked right. in. That's true. Where, yep. You know, with LED, um, you know, for better, for worse, a lot of people um, at least have their mind made up this is going to last forever and in certain yep. indoor applications you know it they do and we've yeah. had we've had our high bay lights um our led high bay lights at our facility in fond du Lac up for five years we have never even replaced a driver yeah mm-hmm. so you know it's there there are in, under the right circumstances they will last forever yeah um in but, most yeah. circumstances yeah. in most in most even yeah like that's true it's, it is pretty pretty rare to have issues um yeah. with the led lights it's just when there is an issue, it seems to be a constant issue at the and same it, job and site. And with sports, it gets compounded yeah. because of ease of access or right. lack thereof, um, you know, the mounting height of the poles. But yeah. as Jordan was mentioning before, you know, having remote power options yeah. for some of these, these higher pole heights, even for tennis, you know, could be a good option because the alternative is 
go fix your power grid, which right. is likely going to be significantly more expensive than putting drivers down uh, you know, near the base of the pole. Yeah, yeah. And I, th I think the reason why maybe it's taking some time to educate everybody is that, you know, if you look at the industry, maybe you could say 80 to 85 percent of the industry is indoor lighting. You know, and, and, and those aren't the same yeah. considerations as a or even nearly the same amount of power as, you know, each individual uh, outdoor fixture is. True. And so that's been a big, like, you know, talking point with our sales partners and everybody else is that, hey, this isn't the same animal as a, you know, twist and fluorescent uh, yeah. retrofit. It's a, it's a new animal now. And to service it, it's not a uh, it's not a scissor lift inside yeah. of, a, a you know, an industrial facility. Yeah. It's it's could be a, a, a tall boom truck. But again, yeah. you know, from a capability standpoint, we've got some really nice options for people on how to. Um, you know, protect their investment, or you know, if there are service events, um, you know, to to be there to support them. Um, you know, the way that our our KBX system is is architected, um, you know, we have um, you know that each individual fixture and driver can be serviced as opposed to concentrating them in a bank of, yeah. of fixtures. So that that helps with service events, and you know, also, you know, if there is a power quality audit, or if the engineer that's specifying the job has questions, you know, we can we can be a part of that. Too. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, and even when we do mount fixtures at 20, 25, 30 feet, which, you know, that's no, no, you're not going to get up there with a ladder. Yeah. It's nice that once you do get up there, it's tool entry. I've so. seen people try, though. <laughs> yeah, climb up the La pole. Ladder up against the light pole. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's nice once you get there, it's tool entry, yeah. and it's very easy to, True. you know, yeah. maintain, even if we if you don't have that budget yep. for uh, onboard or remote. We'll kind of end with just a quick review of indoor. We talked a lot about, uh, Outdoor, um, Jordan, you mentioned that in some of the southern states uh, like Florida, um, they're having kind of mixed-use quasi-indoor-outdoor uh, facilities, which is which is cool. We see a mix of indirect and direct. Um, I guess lot, like field houses or, you know, we've done some university applications. What's a typical mixed-use for indoor? Do, do they mix tennis and, and other sports or I guess you have – you know, once you have courts set up on the inside, maybe it's difficult to have mixed use. Or what do you guys see for like university mixed use? Yeah, I mean they'll use a field house for anything. Okay. Like <laughs> some of the field houses, they have typically when we get any type of drawing of a field house, they'll 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 have it lined out as to what exactly is all going to be done inside the field house. So they'll have they'll have three basketball court lines. They'll gotcha. have. In between that, they'll have volleyball. Mm -hmm. And inside of that, they might have tennis. And that's where some of the zones and the control options yeah, and things yeah, for come sure. in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we recently did a layout for was in Iowa, where it's, there's a walking track around it. Yep. And it's the weirdest looking architectural thing. And it was like definitely a 50s or 60s child of like <laughs> just figuring out new shapes. And they're like, oh, okay, let's Those try Those are the this. cool ones. Yeah, they yeah, are. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, having to like have, you know, your main basketball court. Then you had, you know, two tennis and, you know, full-length basketball courts yeah. on the side. And then in between those you know they'd move the bleachers out of the way and you had volleyball yeah. and so it, jake was sitting there i think with like 27 different optical configurations <laughs> but uh, yeah it's just it's that. one of those things where like do you light the whole field house to the same foot candles mm -hmm. or do you do you concentrate specific areas and then do you use like wireless controls to basically like like you have you have seen like you said you have different scenes for every different sport mm -hmm. like you could do it both ways um, and kind of like the way that you typically would settle on in the past, at least, is just everything is lit to the same amount of light. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you have a field house, it's just 30 foot candles across the whole thing. But and now it's, it's and like it's always on. Right. And it's always on. And now today we can do some pretty yeah. fancy things with our controls. But if, if the field is not variable on the inside, if it's just mixed use yep. and it's static, I would think that would lend itself to having different configurations yeah, yes. on the ceiling. Yeah, and it's one thing, too, that we can we can kind of, and what we did in this Iowa facility is we were able to kind of play around with some different optic configurations and set up scenes in ways that were like, 
this would dim 50 percent this would this would dim a little this would like brighten actually yeah. increase in in, in uh, brightness and then you'd have like 50 foot candles on just the basketball court and it'd be like 20 or 10 foot candles around the entire area create like a stage effect like you would typically want for some type of basketball event um so it's we have the capabilities to pretty much do what the end user wants us to do at this point um it's just always trying to translate and figure out exactly what what those what what they look what it looks like should be right yeah where the focus should be i mean there's abilities sometimes tough to stay it is is. yeah yeah for sure well cool i think um so i guess one more project that uh we kind of worked on was I don't think it was tennis, but it was it was indoor. But there were a bunch of custom brackets and and poles, and we were which one? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's you know, you know, we talked about custom fab, metal fab on the exterior side, but we're seeing more and more custom fab on the interior side. So if they can put up, you know, their structure, and then we can design an apparatus to hang, you know, from the ceiling and mount our fixtures, that seems to add quite a bit of value for the engineer oh, and the no. specifier, but. Yeah, um, but we've I done, you know, high-level pools, you know, that, that, that needed those yeah. uh, brackets, and we've designed one where, you know, they want, you know, we're doing uh, an indirect with our KBX where, you know, we're using the pillars, you know, and so we're, we had to design a, you know, pillar clamp basically to, you know, mount our assemblies um, you know, to basically make it so they didn't have to, you know, uh, you know, use twice the amount of, you know, hangers you know, yep. over the top of the facility instead. So, yeah, like a lot of the, the competitors for that specific job were coming in where they would just, they they probably didn't have a good solution for the mounting, but it was, it would have probably looked like some type of safety chain yep. type of thing where they hung every single fixture down individually. Um, but with our custom capabilities, manuf- like fabrication, uh, we're ca- kind of able to do things in groups, so it's a little bit easier on the install. We True. also can fan the, we can also fan the lights out. We can do aiming with the lights to make sure that no spots are missed. Make um, use of optics. To, yeah, to, to yeah, can exactly. Concentrate the assembly, but then spread the light out. Right. Yep. Exactly. And so now it's so much easier to service install. Yeah. True. Yeah, it, it changes the game for the installation team because they can pretty much assemble one arm, one assembly, put it up on the wall, and then they just move on to the next one. It's not constant. Hmm. It's not. It's not. Uh, uh, putting 20, fi- 20 individual fixtures up. It's four, fi- four, four yep. groups of fixtures yeah. of five. So it changes. It helps a lot. Cool. Well, thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Good talking, man. Absolutely.